The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 621 for May 6th, 2018. The U.S. government ratchets up the pressure on Huawei and ZTE while China asks for easing on restrictions. LG announces the G7 ThinQ, and Facebook might be your next matchmaker. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and iOS for $1.99. First in the news, Senate Democrats are looking to make net neutrality a campaign issue heading into the 2018 midterm elections, and will kick things off on May 9th with a vote. Senator Ed Markey, who's a Democrat, has amassed a total of 50 supporters in the Senate, all 49 Democrats and Republican Susan Collins of Maine. The Democrats will need at least one more Republican to cross the aisle to halt the FCC's repeal of net neutrality. Uh, even if the vote is successful, though, the Senate would bid a bid would likely fail in the Republican-held House of Representatives, but more importantly, at the desk of President Trump. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who's a Republican, agrees with the FCC's decision to repeal net neutrality, of course, as does President Trump. The main goal, however, is to force Democrats and Republicans alike to go on the record with what they support. Uh, they said that this will be a political, there will be a political price to pay for those who are on the wrong side of history, says Markey. Uh, and as discussed on multiple occasions, individual U.S. states have begun to put their own net neutrality laws in place. A very interesting uh, move here uh, by the Senate here and the Democrats specifically to to bring this up and to say basically here's let's put our money where our mouth is and for on this issue let's say let's make this vote happen and then on the the House side they're going to obviously have to deal with it then as well. So like they said they're you know they're they're making it a campaign issue so that's what the party is going to be doing so kind of like some of the other hot button issues uh, that that it seems like the uh, the the parties just randomly pick and choose things that you know one supports one does not this is going to be another one of those particular issues uh, that they're going to be we support this and you guys do not and it's uh, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out as far as if. Uh, if anybody really is going to buy into this as far as a campaign issue. Well, and, you know, obviously with the, the the amount of support that they have here, all 49 Democrats, it's, you know, which makes sense. We figured that would be the case. It'll be interesting to see how many Republicans they can swing over. They only need one in order to uh, get it pushed over to the House to have to deal with. But um, that's easier said than done. Um, you know, to see that Republican Collins has already done that is um, pretty impressive just in of itself. So uh, we'll keep an eye on this one, whether or not it actually happens, um, you know, and or actually does anything is, is still kind of to be determined, but still an interesting thing to, uh, to see playing out uh, in our highest, uh, you know, legislative body. It is. Of course, what, what's frustrating is then U.S. individual states start having their own. So then it becomes a patchwork uh, system depending on where you live and, uh, you know, how does I, how do ISPs even handle that? And, you know, this, the questions really start to run again and then you start hoping, well, too bad this isn't a federal system. So it's just the, you know, the same law across everywhere. Yeah, but indeed it isn't. And so we've got to, we got to work through this, uh, as it is. Uh, well, the U S government really does not want military personnel buying Huawei or ZTE phones. The Pentagon has ordered the retail stores on U S bases around the globe to see selling phones made by the two Chinese companies. 
Huawei and ZTE devices may pose an unacceptable risk to the department's personnel information and mission, said a major uh, for the Pentagon. In a statement provided to the Wall Street Journal, they said, in the light of the information, it is prudent not for the department exchanges to continue selling them, and uh, the government can't sell troops uh, tell troops not to buy them, uh, at least not yet, uh, but you won't be able to do so on a U.S. base anywhere around the world. Now, as a follow-up to the Commerce Department's ban on U.S. companies selling parts or software to ZTE, the firm has filed an application with the department's Bureau of Industry and Security in hopes that the government will suspend its injunction. The government put the ban in place because ZTE was caught misrepresenting the actions it took after settling with the government in an earlier infraction, which was exporting technology to Iran. Uh, ZTE has called the ban unfair and unreasonable, suggesting it could put the company out of business. The ban prevents companies such as Qualcomm from supplying ZTE with processors and prevents companies such as Google from licensing the Android operating system to them. And it's not just the companies themselves that aren't pleased with these restrictions. The government uh, is placing, that the government is placing on these companies. Senior officials from the U.S. and China met on Friday, according to Reuters, to discuss the recent ban. Reuters sources say that Chinese representatives have asked the U.S. to listen to ZTE's appeal and consider the steps the company has taken to address the matter. China's Ministry of Commerce confirmed that the U.S. officials took the matter seriously and promised to discuss it with President Trump. Joey, this is such an interesting story and and kind of as we've been watching this thing play out where it was first just, you know, we were seeing kind of like high level, uh, you know, saying don't buy stuff from ZTE. And now you've got these sanctions that are in place. Uh, You've got, you know, the the government of uh, China, uh, the Ministry of Commerce coming back to the U.S. and saying, please reconsider. I mean, this is a pretty big deal that they're they're, you know, that the the company, uh, these companies are are faced with here, uh, w- which is indeed a uh, you know potential for them not to be in business if these don't uh, resolve themselves because they're just not going to have the ability to move forward. Right, like we've talked about before, you know, Huawei is another one, and of course they make a lot of infrastructure uh, equipment that runs a lot of our networks, including cellular networks and even you know regular you know you know landline networks as well. And of course, a lot of the stuff is Chinese sourced just for price in order to, you know, afford to deploy these networks. And, and of course, a lot of the technology doesn't really exist outside of China and Asia that we use a lot all over the world. So, you know, if this becomes worse, it, it could become uh, really difficult and expensive to even deploy networks. And it's clearly a political issue. Obviously, it's, uh, you know, made its way to, you know, the Department of Defense saying, you know, none of our bases are going to sell the technology. Uh, you can't use it. You can't buy it. I mean, it's going to be when I say you can't, uh, you know, agencies can't use the technology anymore. And um, it's it's just fascinating that uh, we've made it, you know, this far through this process. And uh, we'll see what happens with this reconsideration appeal. But uh, my uh, instinct says it's probably not going to go too far. Well, the CEOs of T-Mobile and Sprint insist the merging of the two companies will not be detrimental for consumers. Of course they do. Prices are going to go down and jobs are going to go up, said John Ledger, CEO of T-Mobile, in an interview with CNN. Some worry reducing the number of national carriers from four to three might harm consumers with less choice and less competition. Ledger <clears throat> said the company has a history of offering low price service and will keep it that way uh, if and when the merger closes. Uh, the question is here, is that even realistic? You know, obviously there's a when you're talking about, you know, the two uh, carriers that have really been uh, the monopoly in this industry for a while, Verizon and AT&T, they kind of go head to head with each other and toe to toe, but not in a, you know, downward, you know, push on pricing. It's really more of, 
um, you know, keeping, you know, step in step with what each group is doing, whether it's getting rid of unlimited, putting in different pricing for uh, tiered data, coming back to unlimited, going on just like these are the different things they're going to. They're not saying we're going to offer this promo that gives you, you know, four lines for $100 type of thing. That's always been T-Mobile and Sprint's realm. And it's it's still kind of up in the air what's going to happen with these sort of tactics and these sort of deals uh, as uh, they now become one group. Right. And uh, yeah, the, 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 the sprint, the sprint and the T-Mobile thing, you know, T-Mobile made a huge effort, you know, what was that starting two, two and a half, three years ago to, to be the uncarrier. And they, you know, they've spent a ton of money uh, doing that and they can't really continue doing that forever. And of course they will never catch Verizon and AT&T probably, even if they keep doing this for many more years, but they'll drive themselves basically out of business because they will have spent so much money doing it. Um, Sprint, on the other hand, you know, they're, they're, you know, their reputation has still been terrible. They're, they're gaining a little bit back, but you know, eventually they'd probably be going away anyways, just due to the fact that, you know, people don't really like Sprint that much. Um, so I, I don't know if it's going to be that much of a big, uh, you know, that big of a deal that they're merging. But of course, I don't really believe that the prices will be going less, uh, just because, because they'll then, They'll, they may lag behind AT&T and Verizon, but they probably won't be drastically uh, cheaper because they don't have Sprint to deal with anymore. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that. I mean, why would they do that? Why would they drop rates? Um, you know, perhaps it's say, uh, you know, they're, they've got other uncarrier moves that could add, you know, additional things, those value add things that they keep throwing on here. But I, I don't see the, the, the price of the plan actually going down. So yeah, whether or not that's realistic, I think is still to be determined. But again, Probably not likely. We'll sprint this week announcing some interesting leadership changes. CEO Marcello Clare said uh, is being being announced that he will be moving to Sprint's parent company, SoftBank, while he will oversee the merger with T-Mobile. Uh, Clare's new role will be selling the merger to U.S. regulators. He'll remain on the board of directors with Sprint. And uh, moving forward, President and CFO Michael Combs will be elevated to the CEO position. Combs already serves on Sprint's board and has been with Sprint since earlier this year. Before joining Sprint, he spent 25 years in various roles with uh, Vodafone and France Telecom. Uh, Claire last week had announced uh, was announced as a board member of the new T-Mobile, and he had been uh, the CEO of Sprint since 2014. In device news, Samsung on Monday said U.S. customers will soon be able to buy the Galaxy S9 and S9 Plus with more internal storage. Beginning May 1st, the 128-gig and 256-gig versions of both phones will be available for pre-order on Samsung.com along with the existing 64-gig model. The devices will ship starting May 18th. The 128-gig Galaxy S9 is $770. The S9 and 256 gig configuration is $820, so only $50 more. The 128 gig S9 Plus is $890-256-940. The new storage variants continue the support for micro SD cards up to 400 gigabytes and will be available in purple, blue, and black. Samsung says consumers who buy the S9 or S9 Plus from Samsung.com between May 1st and 17th will receive either a free set of Gear Icon X headphones or the option to buy the Gear S3 Frontier smartwatch for only $99. Well, LG Wednesday announced the G7 ThinQ. This is its 2018 flagship phone. It merges features from last year's G6 and V30 to create a more powerful phone that's easier to use. 
The G7 ThinQ is made from metal and glass and is certified IP68 for protection against water and dust. The full view display 6.1 inches across the diagonal with slightly taller aspect ratio to account for the additional screen real estate forming a notch at the top. Owners can use software to visually eliminate the notch if they wish. Uh, the display is 3120 by 1440 pixels for quad HD plus resolution. The G7 ThinQ uses LG's super bright display LCD technology, claiming to have a brightness of 1000 nits, making it one of the brightest displays available on any modern phone. It is powered by a Qualcomm Snapdragon 845 processor, 6 gigs of RAM, and 128 gigs of storage. The impa- camera has been improved, and it features two 16-megapixel cameras on the back, standard view lens and an f1.6 aperture, and a wide-angle lens at f1.9. The front camera is 8 megapixels at an f1.9 aperture, and LG is taking advantage of machine learning and the Snapdragon 845's image signal processor to help the G7 recognize 18 different scenes such as flowers pets the beach and more this ai cam then adjusts the capture to the best shot based on the scene it automatically uses pixel pixel binding to capture more light in the bright mode for low light scenes the camera can snag artistic portraits using either the front or the rear camera another standout feature is the new boombox speaker the bottom firing speaker uses an interior sealed interior chamber of the phone to help amplify the sound LG says the G7 ThinQ is loud enough to fill rooms with music, and it also carries forward LG's commitment to the Quad DAC for superior wired sound, as well as DTS-X for cinematic sound and 3D stereo sound. The G7 ThinQ includes a dedicated button on the side for calling up the Google Assistant. It's got two microphones with noise cancellation and supports super far-field voice recognition. LG claims the G7 has a 35% higher recognition rate for spoken voice commands at 6.6 feet than most other phones. The LG G7 ThinQ goes on sale soon in black, red, blue, and silver. Now, here in the U.S., most carriers have committed to selling the device. Sprint didn't specify pricing or availability, but said they will offer the phone later in the spring. T-Mobile did note that the G7 ThinQ supports its 600 megahertz spectrum for LTE. Verizon, Sprint, and U.S. Sailor have all committed to selling the new G7 ThinQ. Uh, Verizon said that it will begin accepting pre-orders on May 24th, though it didn't specify a ship date. Sprint said it will start taking pre-orders on the 25th, with an expected ship date of June 1st. U.S. Sailor said it will take orders starting on June 1st. And while AT&T has not announced any launch details, uh, they also came out and said that they do not plan to sell the flagship phone. Instead, they'll be offering an exclusive phone from LG later this summer. They said, we offer a strong lineup of devices from LG, and we're planning to launch a new LG device this summer only for AT&T. Pricing for the G7 ThinQ, though, again, not announced. In other device news from LG, the V30S ThinQ, an upgrade from last year's V30, will soon be available to U.S. buyers for $930. Uh, that phone has been listed on the price at B&H Photo, and LG has confirmed the price. Uh, the V30S ThinQ has 6 gigs of RAM, up from 4 gigs, and improved storage to 256 gigs or 128 gigs from the 64 gig standard. Uh, the phone will be shipping with Android 8 Oreo, uh, where the original shipped with Android 7 Nougat. The V30S ThinQ has LG's new AI camera, adding scene detection and super bright mode to help with low light capture. Not clear, though, when that phone will go on sale. 
Samsung Wednesday announcing the Galaxy A6 and A6 Plus. These are mid-range phones that, for the first time, adopt the Infinity Display. The A6 has a smaller 5.6-inch screen with a 1480 by 720 pixel resolution. The A6 Plus is a 6-inch screen with 2220 by 1080 pixel resolution, each with an 18.5 by 9 aspect ratio. Shared features between the phones include Dolby Atmos Audio, face recognition, and fingerprint scanning, Samsung Pay, Bixby, and Android 8 Oreo. The phones pack NFC, CAT6 LTE, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, GPS, micro-USB, and memory card support. The Galaxy A6 has an octa-core processor clocked at 1.6 GHz and comes with two cameras. The rear camera, 16 megapixels with an f7 1.7 aperture. Front camera, 16 megapixel with f1.9. It's got a 3,000 mAh battery. On the larger phone, the A6 Plus has the octa-core processor with a 1.8 GHz speed and three cameras. The main rear camera, 16 megapixels, f1.7 aperture, with a 5-megapixel secondary sensor at f1.9 as well. Uh, Samsung says the phones uh, will, or the this allows the A6 Plus to take real-time book of shots with adjustable blur. Front camera has got a 24-megapixel sensor with f1.9 aperture. That has a 3,500 milliamp-hour battery. Uh, the phones will be sold in either the 3 or 4 gig of RAM configurations and either 32 or 64 gigs of storage. The A6 and A6 Plus are uh, slated to reach select markets later this month. Samsung did not announce plans to sell either in the U.S., so the FCC has approved variants with support for LTE bands of 12 and 66 here in the U.S. Pricing was not revealed. HTC this week said that the next phone it has will be announced on May 23rd, but the company didn't say what features the phone might have other than to suggest it's a phone that is more like the sum of its specs. HTC hasn't announced a flagship since the U11, which debuted earlier uh, early summer last year, so this is likely to be uh, the follow-up to that flagship. Sony on Wednesday said U.S. consumers can order its Xperia Ear Duo wireless headphones beginning this week for $280. The earbuds ship on May 25th, and they are not traditional headphones and employ an open-ear design that allows people to hear their surroundings and the music that they're listening to at the same time. The Xperia Ear Duo relies on spatial acoustic conductors to push sound directly into the inner ear while leaving the ear canal open. Sound is generated by a unit that sits behind the owner's ear, and Sony says the Xperia Ear Duo automatically adjusts to environmental sounds to counter background noise. The Xperia Ear Duo supports Bluetooth 4.2 and is compatible with Android and iOS devices. Touch interfaces and voice commands allow owners to interact with Android Assistant and Siri. The headphones include a daily assist function on Android, which will read incoming notifications, offer calendar reminders, as well as listening for voice commands. Owners can nod or shake their heads respectively to accept or reject incoming calls, which I think is just great. You hear somebody's calling, you just shake your head, and it just hangs up the phone. makes all the sense in the world. The Ear Duo includes four microphones and beam forming to ensure proper noise reduction and voice capture. The headphones offer four hours of music listening and 2.5 hours of talk time per charge. The included charging case can recharge the Ear Duo up to three times for music and talk totals of 10 and four hours, respectively. The Xperia Ear Duo comes in black and gold and is available for pre order from amazon.com in software news samsung will install mobile apps uh, from verizon's oauth on its galaxy s9 and s9 plus plus phones moving forward according to reuters the two have signed a distribution agreement that will see oauth's newsroom yahoo sports yahoo finance and go 90 mobile apps preloaded onto phones the amount of content consumption on phones is continuing to skyrocket 
and they say brands and consumers want want more high quality content, uh, and so this is the uh, the reasoning for this. Samsung and OAuth will let advertisers put ads and resemble content uh, that that resemble content within their applications. This gets ads one step closer to being direct to consumer, and they said you can't be more direct than being on a mobile phone, home screen, and app environment. The two companies will split the revenue generated with the ad views. OAuth is combined is the combined entity that used to be. AOL and Yahoo, uh, the companies uh, didn't say which apps, uh, when the apps would be added to the S9 and S9 Plus phones. And Google this week, making it easier for people to buy movie tickets thanks to its partnership with Fandango. Android devices uh, can ask Google Assistant for help purchasing tickets. After finding the movie theater and time that works, Google Assistant will hand you off to the Fandango online. People can buy buy tickets uh, via Fandango without downloading or installing a separate Fandango mobile app. Movie queries that are started on Google Google's home product will be forwarded to your phone uh, to complete the purchase. The online tool ensures that you can select the right number of tickets as well as pick reserved seats in theaters that include such options. The feature is reserved for Android phones right now. Siri can provide similar assistance on the iPhone. Google on Thursday said several new features were coming to Android Wear OS devices. Uh, First, Google smartwatches gain smart suggestions. These will let people choose from contextually relevant follow-up questions after the initial query. Google Assistant on Wear OS uh, will now talk to you. Ask Assistant Assistant about your schedule, for example, and it will read aloud your agenda, commute times, and other pertinent information. The spoken responses can be heard via the speaker in some watches or through Bluetooth headphones. And finally, Google is bringing actions to all Wear uh, OS watches. So Wear OS watch owners can ask Google Assistant to preheat their oven, find out when their next train leaves, or pick up from one of any of the millions of actions already available. Google says it's working with developers to expand actions on Wear OS. The new features are rolling out to all Wear devices over the next couple of days. And lastly, in Android news, Google Pay has officially expanded its reach to the web. Now people can use Google Pay to make online purchases, whether they are browsing on their desktop or mobile. Google Pay is compatible with Chrome, Firefox, and Safari on PCs and iPhones and iPads, meaning Apple device users can put Google Pay uh, to work uh, from their phone or tablet. Google Pay supports multiple payment sources, including debit and credit cards and other bank accounts. Google says it can automatically update cards as they're about to expire and will offer to fill in shipping and or billing information via Chrome's autofill tool, tool when warranted. Google Pay is free to use on the web. The app for Android devices is free to download from the Google Play Store. In uh, other news, Facebook Tuesday said multiple announcements during a press event. First up, they said they're working on a feature that will let people effectively delete their browsing history from Facebook. Clear History will let Facebook users see what the websites and apps that they that send informa- send them information when you use them, and then you can delete that information from your account and turn off the ability to store it uh, associated with your account moving forward. As Facebook further explains, apps and websites pay attention to how people use Facebook and send that information to Facebook to help the social network improve the experience. The new Clear History tool will give people more control over how their data is managed. Facebook says when people choose to clear their history, it will remove identifying information so a history of the websites and apps you've used won't be associated with your account. The company will, however, provide its partner apps and websites the data that it's already collected. The change, according to Facebook, is that it will no longer store the data when a person chooses to wipe away their history. A clear history tool will take several months for Facebook to build, and it plans to work with privacy advocates, regulators, and others to ensure it takes the proper approach. 
Yeah, I still don't believe they're actually going to do this uh, or, or, or not do something that's basically the same thing, but trying to circumvent the privacy uh, approaches because this is how they make their money still. It's, it's really the core of their business is taking all of your information, sucking it from you, and then, you know, using it for, uh, you know, basically selling ads and selling things to businesses and other things. Yeah, it's, there's a there's a reason you see the ads that you do when you're scrolling through Facebook. It's because they're offering them up to you, and uh, and and there's a few ways that that happens. It's either based on your location, and uh, you can geo-target people through ads, and and you can boost and do different things with the the, the ads that are uh, placed. Uh, in your profile. And then there's the other side of it, which is the, what you search for and what you're actually looking at. And uh, that information is then analyzed and spit back out in ways that is very similar uh, to your tastes, obviously. And that helps to, uh, you know, provide targeted ads that uh, potentially are for the things that you'd like and may potentially purchase. Um, it all seems perfectly legitimate when uh, you, you just talk about it on kind of the surface, but as it you dig into it, it can feel a little bit uh, less than uh, ideal and understanding, you know, that these not only advertisers, but also companies potentially have more information about you than you may think that they, they should have. What's kind of interesting when you talk about ads on Facebook, I, I know that there's ads on Facebook. And I know this is how that works. I haven't been on Facebook so long. I quit Facebook before they even had ads on Facebook. It was literally long before they even showed anything uh, for ads. So I, I don't even know the experience that you get if you if you're somehow scrolling through Facebook, which I haven't done for so long. Uh, it, I, there was just no such thing yet. How do you see all your friends' baby pictures and vacation pictures, then, Joey? I I guess I just don't. It's because I send them to you just via iMessage, I think is how that happens, right? <laughs> that well, must be it. Must be. Uh, anyway, uh, also from Facebook this week, if love is what you're looking for, the social media company is prepared to help you find it. People will be able to create a dating profile that will be separate from their Facebook profile and potential matches will be recommended based on dating preferences, things in common and even mutual friends. Uh, according to Facebook, those seeking love will be able to discover others via similar interests, groups, and events. Dating profiles and features will not be surfaced to mutual friends. The feature will go into testing later this year. Other features headed to Facebook include a new crisis response center for gathering information about ongoing or past crisis events and blood donation tools for those available to donate blood in times of emergency. Uh, these and other features will re reach Facebook over the coming months. And Twitter this week suggesting that all users change their password. The company found a bug that exposed the passwords of 330 million users. According to Twitter, we recently identified a bug that stored passwords unmasked in an internal log. Uh, we have fixed the bug in our own internal investigation. Shows no indication of breach or misuse by anyone. Out of an abundance of caution, we ask that you consider changing your password on all services where you've used the password that you used on Twitter, uh, Twitter discovered the bug itself, removed the passwords and is drafting plans to be sure this doesn't happen again. Of course, uh, heed that advice, uh, if you will, to be safe online, change your passwords often, use different passwords for every site, use passwords that are very difficult to remember and hopefully very, very difficult for someone else to crack. Uh, make sure you've got a system set up that works for you and uh, make sure that you are safe online. Uh, no plugs for any specific sources or services because it doesn't matter. Just find something that works best for you. Just one question this week comes from Patrick. He says, hello, TCPJ. 
Is it safe to assume that all Android One phones will get two years of quick software and security updates guaranteed? Is this going to fill the spot where the Nexus used to occupy? Great show. Thanks, as always. Patrick. Um, well, Patrick, so I'll ask that, answer that last question first. Uh, I don't want to say that the Android One operating system uh, and or program slash platform is the Nexus uh, replacement for Nexus. That's more of a... Uh, uh, you know, it's more of what the Pixel line is doing uh, than than really what Android One is. Android One, if you remember, is the strategy to get you know Android onto call it the next billion phones. Uh, so they were trying to figure out how they could you know t- you know take the success that they've had, go after a lower cost device, and and get into the hands of people that can't afford you know five, six, eight thousand dollar, hundred dollar phones. Um, you know, and I think this is uh, uh, this is that strategy more than saying this is going to be the uh, you know, the, the vanilla Android strategy moving forward. Now, that said, uh, part of using Android One is that guarantee of software updates for a period of two years. So to answer your question, yes, it is fair, safe to assume that all Android phones, One phones, will get that two years of uh, software uh, and security updates. Now, uh, what that two-year period means when it starts, as an example, uh, probably means from launch date, not from the date that you bought it. So keep that in mind as uh, you potentially get one of these devices. But um, certainly, we're still, you know, seeing at least some level of, uh, you know, support for these devices. You know, going into a, a period that kind of makes sense. You know, most people keep phones for about two years. Though, if you're buying an Android One phone, there's a chance you might be keeping it longer. Uh, but either way, you're going to keep that software support. And you might get more. It's just saying they guarantee it for two years. So um, that's the the short answer to that is yes, you will get it for two years. That comes straight from Google's mouth. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or give us a call 650-999-0524 and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.